Hello, this is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 132 of Gaming with Grief, and I'm calling this episode The People vs. Kratos. But before I start, I just want to remind you guys that you can find this podcast on my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com, Monday morning at 7 a.m. Go there, leave a comment, let me know what you think of the show. Or you can um, send me an email at gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. So write me directly there. Let me know what you think of the show. If you have a question or comment, let me know about that. And, or however you want to look at it, you can subscribe to the show on Apple iTunes or the Google Play Store. So again, go there, subscribe to the show, let me know what you think. You know, maybe you have a suggestion for something I can do in the future, uh, a topic or something like that. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Just Little Joe. And like I always say, but I really mean it this time, I will try to get better at promoting the show and, um, you know, just putting myself out there a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, I'm calling this episode The People versus Kratos. And there will be a lot of asterisks, um, addendums, warnings, I guess, for the beginning of this. Um, a lot of commentary. This is going to be a really weird episode because I was going to talk about something else, uh, some breaking news, but uh, I don't know, some ongoing news in the gaming space, but the, the story, that topic is still ongoing. So this topic kind of happened to me, and I will explain uh, basically what happened. So uh, just to be incredibly transparent, Uh, I'm a big fan of Kind of Funny. They're a YouTube slash podcasting service. There's some former uh, IGN employees that broke off and started their own company. So they do movie podcasts about reactions. They have a daily news uh, gaming show about just, uh, you know, news in video games. They also have uh, shows uh, about a specific platform like PlayStation or uh, Xbox. They don't have a um, Nintendo show. But these things usually, they have, the daily one obviously happens five days a week. Uh, they have um, the X-Cast, which is their Xbox podcast, and um, which happens, which posts on uh, Saturday. Um, and they have uh, a PlayStation podcast called PS I Love You, um, XOXO. Uh, I am a fan of all their podcasts. I subscribe to all the feeds. I listen to all the content because I really like all the hosts. They're very knowledgeable um, and, uh, this is kind of where this topic came from. Again, this kind of landed in my lap. So I'm calling this episode the people versus Kratos because on, um, episode 97 of kind of funny's, uh, PS, I love you their episode 97. They did basically, um, the best PlayStation character bracket, like who wins, uh, the host blessing at Jr. And Jenna Garcia, both really good. Uh, it was like a three-hour podcast. They had uh, blind picks. They got to 64. Uh, I hope I'm getting that number right. I try to take notes. and um, But anyway, everything was um, random because they didn't want to put heavy hitters up against other heavy hitters and then have them eliminated. Or maybe they do. They wanted there to be some stakes so things could move on. They had four brackets, obviously based on the buttons on the PlayStation controller, the triangle bracket. The, they call it the cross, but it's the X button, depending on how you look at it. Uh, the circle button and the square button. And those brackets got whittled down to the final two uh, people. It was, uh, you know, head to head. It was uh, Kratos uh, versus um, from God of War, the whole God of War series. I think I listened to the episode uh once and then kind of went back and took notes on some sections it sounds like from their argument they mostly took into account uh the god of war from 2018 uh which i understand because that's like the most recent 
you know, game. Uh, they took a little bit of the, his history into account. But um, he was stacked against Joel uh, Miller from uh, The Last of Us, uh, who was a better character. So it was head-to-head. Uh, now, this happened towards the end of the podcast because, so obviously, it's it's the, uh, you know, they're... Who's who's the uh, who's the better sad dad? I guess in this category. Um, again, I like the hosts and I love the um, you know they had a lot of commentary. It was running really long and they admitted that. Uh, so I think they probably could have had a different argument for uh, both the people, but they both sided with Joel Miller from The Last of Us, so he won. Um, but I was thinking about this a lot. In fact, I woke up late at night thinking about it. Um, and again, like I said, this episode is going to have a lot of asterisks. A lot of, uh, you know, and, and a lot of like, but uh, stuff. And so I just want to start out by saying that uh, obviously with the podcast that I run and everything, I'm incredibly biased. I try to cover games from the perspective of grief and how that affects the people in the games. And if that is a, an, a true articulation of grief uh, and another asterisk, I'm just going to keep saying this. Uh, I don't know every type of grief. I haven't experienced every type of grief. If you don't know, um, I have a lot of past episodes talking about it, but I spent a lot of time researching this episode, so I'll just go over my history very quickly so I can get into their argument. From 2016 to 2020, I went through a lot of grief. Both my parents passed away. Uh, My wife had two uh, miscarriages in that amount of time, and uh, also in that amount of time, she prematurely gave birth to our son in the hospital, Adam, and he died uh, at the end in 2018, a very close friend of mine that I've known since I was uh, 17 passed away from cancer. Um, I am 40. I'm turning 42 in a week. So uh, he died in 2019. So 2016 to 2020 was a terrible just amount of years. Um, and then uh, the the cherry on the top, as I've said in other podcasts, which was really bad in 2020, uh, my cat, who I've had for a very long time, died. In our home very early in the morning, I think on the 27th of November. Um, the only way I remember that is because we have a plaque with her ashes, and so she is commemorated on the day that she passed away. Um, so getting back to my argument of I don't think that the hosts of Kind of Funny are wrong or incorrect. Joel is an incredibly compelling character uh, for games. Um, the amount of grief that he suffered, again, another asterisk. I'm going to spoil both The Last Us Part 1. The Last of Us Part 2, talk a little bit about Kratos' history from like the PS1 game and uh, mostly focus on 2018 because I think that's kind of like where the, you know, where his character changes to uh, become something much different than it has been in the past. And, um, you know, again, I don't think the hosts, uh, Janet or Blessing, are wrong. Uh, Joel, but but I just think, uh, and part of this again, another asterisk, is that you know their podcast was running three hours, and both these people work for a living, so you got to move it along. I just wish there was a better case for Kratos. So I guess in a way, I am doing this. Uh, I doubt either any of the people involved are kind of funny will ever hear this, but I want to make the case for Kratos and why I think he deserves to be um, the best PlayStation character of all time, and not Joel. Um, so this, again, is a weird episode because I'm commenting on something that people are already commenting on. You know, they had many people in the comments. I was listening to the show. They have a they live record and they had people in the comments responding. And uh, they did polls when they were kind of at a stalemate between Blessing and Janet. The producer, Barrett, uh, um, Courtney, kind of came in and kind of gave his take on things to kind of break ties. But it was a good conversation. And that's one of those things, you know, I know there's a lot of negativity online. 
stalking is a big deal in um, in games. But, you know, a lot of people in the comments, I was reading the comments because I watched the end of the video to kind of come up with this argument again and try to, um, you know, draw it out or at least understand and not characterize either of the hosts wrong. Um, people said, oh, it was great hanging out with you guys for three days, you know. And I think that is the best intention, uh, the idea that, you know, you listen to a lot of these people for hours and hours and it just feels like you're hanging out with old friends. Uh, again, stalking is terrible. Don't harass people or, uh, you know, but at, at the same time, you know, people owe me nothing. I don't know. That's just a quick aside. I've just seen a lot of negativity online about, um, you know, there was people in the comment of that video like, oh, you haven't played this. You haven't played that. Oh, you know, like turn in your, you know, turn in your PlayStation, you know, turn your PlayStation gun in your badge. And, that's not how this works, you know, like, uh, again, I am incredibly biased and I'm coming at this from a very specific, specific point of view, but I want to make the case for Kratos and say why I think he's better than Joel. Um, and again, I'm going to spoil uh, The Last of Us Part 1, which I've completed, uh, The Last of Us Part 2, which I've completed, and I'm going to spoil um, God of War 2018, which I've completed. This was a long time ago, though, so I spent a lot of time this morning watching videos uh, from different YouTubers. Some of them I'll call out, some of them I, I won't. Uh, I'm sorry for not calling out everybody, but I was watching so many videos by so many different YouTubers. You know, I probably could have just taken the time to write down, but I did some and not the others. Um, and again, Asterix, uh, I think Blessing and Jenna did a great job, but I want to make the case for Kratos, and so allow me to make the case for Kratos. So what I'm going to do is, uh, again, spoil these games. Uh, spoilers are on because... You know, you have to build a case. You got to spoil things. And I know in the argument for Kind of Funny, they did not that much because The Last of Us 2 is a newer game and God of War 2018 is a newer game. So they kind of didn't want to spoil that. So I think, you know, again, they, they couldn't. Uh, and again, they couldn't spend another hour and a half discussing this because they have jobs. Um, but I have more time. Um, I've done some more research. And um, so here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to spoil The Last of Us uh, part uh, well, just the whole Last of Us series to begin with. Uh, if you guys don't know, uh, which I don't know why you would not know this uh, if I'm spoiling it. But any, anyway, it takes place during the post-apocalypse. There's a character named Joel Miller. Uh, he meets up with... I'm just going to be very quick about this. I'm not going to go through the whole game. He meets a girl named Ellie. Um, and he has to transport her to the Flyerflies, which are like a band of resistance uh, there's zombies, they call them cordyceps, they're basically fungal people, they're zombies basically, uh, there's been a lot of talk along the saying they're not zombies, let's just say shorthand and they're zombies, uh, basically Joel has to transport Ellie to the fireflies across the country uh, because they need her for something and he doesn't know what that is, she doesn't know what that that is either, you find out through the middle of the first game or I don't know, a while in that Ellie is immune to uh, the infection. She can get bit and she won't turn into a cordyceps or a zombie or whatever you want to call it. It's a zombie. I'm just going to keep saying zombie. Um, she uh, is immune. So it becomes very clear through the game that, and especially towards the end of the game when Joel drops her off at the hospital, that they are going to do an experiment on her and uh, her brain is unique. They do brain scans. They are going to try to create a cure from her because her brain is unique. She has some weird genetic, you know, who knows why. Anyway, um, apparently, again, I'm being very quick with this. So Joel uh, decides to, um, you don't have to kill the doctors apparently, but I did in my playthrough. I killed the doctors and you take Ellie while she's sedated and uh, leave the facility. Um, so that obviously creates tension because when she wakes up, 
uh, one of the last scenes of The Last of Us is her saying, what happened? And he said, well, you know, it, their test, it didn't, it didn't work. And there's, there's other people like you that are immune and they'll probably use one of them. So uh, that's what happened. And there is this feeling in the end of the game that Ellie kind of knows that he's lying because, again, very quick spoiler for The Last of Us, uh, his daughter died in the beginning uh, of the game. He and her were shot trying to leave a military checkpoint that was set up during the beginning of the outbreak and people being crazy and zombies basically killing people. Military set up a checkpoint. And uh, Joel and his daughter was shot at. His daughter was killed. Um, I want to say Sarah. Uh, it sounds right. And anyway, this is a very brief whatever. So this sets up a lot of tension for the first game. Uh, Ellie kind of knows in the back of her head that Joel lied to her all those years ago. And I'll be honest, the only thing I didn't see in the cutscene or don't remember is how long it's been between the first and second game. I want to say it's been a good five years. Uh, if I'm wrong, please correct me. Anyway, this creates tension between her and Joel, and she finally has it out with him. Um, I wrote all this down because... Um, yeah, so there is a scene when, um, you know, Joel and Ellie are um, kind of like, she uncovers the truth. She goes to this old Firefly hospital and um, uh, starts researching everything and trying to find out what happened to her. She finds a tape recorder of someone basically saying, you know, I was going to go try to find the girl that's immune, but uh, we don't know if it'll work or not, basically. And... Uh, she has basically ran away from Joel this time, kind of off on her own. Joel comes to find her at the hospital and asks what she's doing. She pushes him away and uh, says, basically, you know, if you tell me the truth of what happened, I will stay with you in Jackson, Wyoming. If you lie to me again, uh, I'll leave and you'll never see me again. And it's an incredibly emotional scene. Ashley Johnson is the actress, the actor that plays Ellie and... Uh, um, Troy Baker is the actor that plays Joel. They both do an amazing job, and Naughty Dog is known. Uh, and obviously, uh, The Last of Us Part Two won Game of the Year from the Game Awards 2020, so a lot of uh, news, uh, you know, um, gaming podcasts and news outlets and games journalists voted for The Last of Us 2 because they thought it was really good, and I definitely um, don't want to take away from their point or whatever. I totally agree with them. It was great. Um, so Joel says... Um, you know, he looks Ellie and he says, making a vaccine would have killed you. So I stopped him. And Ellie breaks down. Um, and she tells him right before he says it, she says, just say it. And he finally says it. He says that. And, um, you know, that's the crux of the scene. But in the background of all this, there is a flashback that shows that the doctors that Joel killed uh, to get Ellie out of the facility in the first game... Um, one of the uh, doctors had uh, a daughter named Abby. And so now Abby is hunting for the person that killed her father. Uh, and so um, basically, again, I'm spoiling both these games. The, during the beginning of the game, Ellie and her companions, I'll say, to keep this very quick, find Joel and beat him to death. Ellie makes it just in time to see basically Joel take his last breath and get beaten to death. Abby decides not to kill uh, Ellie because it seems, I didn't watch this scene, I just watched all the scenes around it, so that shows what a bad job I did. But if I remember right, it's basically like, we've done enough, and this has ended. I got him, I killed Joel, I'm done. But in Ellie, this creates uh, guilt 
and, uh, you know, revenge. Uh, she wants Joel to be avenged in a way. And it starts to eat away with her. And she goes on this strange quest to find Abby through the game and kill her. Um, and so a lot of people say Joel is this incredibly interesting character. You know, he's flawed, especially at the end of the game. He's basically lying to Ellie to, um, you know, set up this weird version of the future. So, um, yeah, it's really strange. But um, basically... Uh, there is, I don't know how to do this. So, um, there's a scene in the middle, uh, Joel in the game has a brother. He's been dead for a while. Ellie settles down with her girlfriend, uh, Dina, uh, and they have a baby, uh, JJ. Uh, there's a potato song in the game. It is very adorable. Just go on YouTube and listen to the potato song. Um, it's probably one of the most adorable songs I've ever heard. Uh, anyway, so, uh, Tommy, uh, Joel's brother, Tommy comes back and he's hurt, really hurt. And there's a few scenes before this, uh, Dina and Ellie are living on a farm and they seem to be somewhat happy. There's some scenes with Ellie where she is suffering from PTSD and she is not in a good way, but she seems to kind of be picking up the pieces and, um, trying to have a better life, uh, with her, uh, amazing uh, girlfriend and their baby. Now, here's the deal. I want to stop right here and say this. Uh, during Kind of Funny P.S. I Love You XOXO, and I've read this a lot online, many people will say, well, listen, we watch, we watch, we read, we play fiction or play games or we experience stories where it's difficult to watch characters make bad decisions. And that's just how it is. That's the story that people wanted to tell. They wanted to show this person in a terrible place and just say this is what it is. Now, I agree with that. Uh, there's a lot of crazy fiction out there that you're either rooting for the bad guy or, again, like people have said before, man, this is a really terrible decision. I really wish you wouldn't do this. And I found myself doing that a lot in The Last of Us Part Two. Ellie, over and over again, makes really brash decisions and uh, does things that you're like, I really wish you weren't doing this. But, you know, here I am. I'm in the middle of this game. Let's see where they go with this. Let's see what happens. Let's see how her character is portrayed, or, you know, are portrayed through these terrible things that she does. Um, but here's where the rub of my argument gets to, and that's why I went into Last of Us for about 18 minutes so far, 19 minutes. Um, I think, at least for me, again, in Asterix, I'm very biased, and I'm coming at this from a very particular uh, place. But... Um, we watch those movies because I think, well, again, for me, I won't speak for everybody. I watch those movies where people make horrible decisions to see the turn. I want to see when someone finally says, hits rock bottom emotionally, physically, mentally, and says, I'm done. And now I want to see the upswing. Even if that is a little bit, which they do in The Last of Us Part Two. But for me, there's a scene uh, where Tommy comes back and says, well, I'm doing okay. I'm hurt because uh, he was with uh, Ellie when they went on their uh, revenge run, basically to find Abby. And he's recovering, but he's hurt. He's got a limp. His eyes messed up. I think he got shot in the head. Um, but he comes to her and he's got a map. And he says, listen, I've been talking to some people. I've been having some feelers out there. And I told him my story. One person came back and they said they know of this woman 
uh, who you know is built like an ox, is traveling with someone. It fits Abby's description, and I know where she is. So here's him. He's got the map, and he said, "Let's go after her." Right? And you think to yourself, "Really? We're really gonna go after?" Her? And there is a moment where Ellie's like, "I'm sorry." And even Dean is there in the background and says, you know, we're through with that. And uh, Ellie says, I'm sorry, I can't. Tommy guilts her. He says, you said you would do whatever it takes. You, you know, you said uh, you, you wouldn't stop, basically. You know, a lot of good it did. And then he leaves. And then Dina gives the most adorably digital baby I've ever seen, JJ, I hope I'm getting his name right, to Ellie walks out and has a conversation with with uh um with tommy i think it's great because you just see them in the corner of the frame and you hear it the sound design was great you hear them like outside the porch and she says what the shit was that what the fuck was that what are you doing you know like we're done like we got to be done you know and he says well you know she said she would do this basically and she didn't so you know what you guys have a good life basically uh but it cuts to ellie looking at the map on the table and i believe the next scene everything's cut up on youtube so i i remember the scene so i had to watch it but i believe it's the next scene ellie is packing things up in the middle of the night and talking about uh it looks like she's gonna go she's gonna go on this journey and uh I'll, again i'll stop right here so i've heard some people online and i think even uh neil Druckmann, the creator i listened to a spoiler cast with him talking about this scene where it was almost like a relapse right that um you know, it's it's basically someone that is in the throes of grief or trauma or, you know, addiction, kind of giving in and saying, uh, yeah, I got to go back. I got to go be a bad person. I got to go use what I have to use and things like that. Basically relapse. And I think he's, I mean, I'm not going to say, I think he's right. I mean, he wrote the game. So obviously that was intention. And if he's saying that, then that's what it is. And I did get that feeling like, yep, here it is. It's a horrible decision you know but uh i think like a lot of us <laughs> i really wish ellie just would have taken more time because i don't know if i'm right or wrong but it seems like it's very close to the conversation uh that she had with uh tommy and then her waking up in the middle of the night and packing the stuff it may even be the same night um and so uh basically she goes on uh hellbent on a mission of revenge and this is kind of where the climax of the story pl- takes place she finds Abby. They have a knockout, dragout fight. They're both exhausted. Uh, Abby is emaciated. She's been held captive. Um, and Abby survives. Uh, she uh, bites off two of Ellie's fingers. And uh, some of this stuff I went over in another episode, but I'm just going over it again because I want to uh, drive the point home. She bites off two of Ellie's fingers, and Ellie has a moment of realization where we see the last conversation that Ellie uh, or maybe it's not during this. No, it's not. But uh, she basically stops killing Abby because I guess enough is enough. And it's like, how much do you want to lose? You know, was it worth it? Uh, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth all this. And she stops, which is great. Uh, then we cut to her going back to the barn where Dina was and JJ uh, were. But Dina said before Ellie left, I can't do this again. If you come back, we will not be here. And they're not. Ellie's stuff is there. Her guitar is there. She tries to play a little bit and then flashes back to the final scene. Uh, it's the the final thing that Joel and Ellie had, the final conversation that they had together. And um, 
they had a fight, something happened uh, in Jackson, Wyoming, and Ellie comes over to talk to him about it. And uh, basically the conversation, they have small talk like everybody does when they're mad at each other. It's like, oh, do you want me to do dishes? I'll go do dishes. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, is that lilac? You know, really awkward stuff. But uh, Ellie says, I was supposed to die in that hospital. My life would have fucking mattered. And Joel says, um, I don't think I, or I'm sorry, Joel says, is silent. And then Ellie says, uh, I don't think I can forgive you for that, but I'd like to try. Uh, and Joel said, I'd like that. Um, so here's uh, the <laughs> the concept of a reconciliation. Um, you know, in life, you can forgive people for something if they've done something bad. Uh, the way I understand reconciliation, I'm not going to rip up the or uh, bring up the Webster's Dictionary definition of reconciliation. But every time reconciliation has been pitched to me as an idea and what I've read about it, and this could be in- incredibly wrong, but I like to think this is, um, I don't know. Basically, reconciliation is the idea that we cannot see eye to eye and we will never be able to forgive each other for the things we've done, but we have to move forward because there's enough here in this relationship, whatever it is, to warrant us moving forward. It is a a thing to basically draw a line in the sand and say, okay, that was before, this is after, you know? And so um, that's kind of like where their relationship is. There's kind of like this reconciliation. And I've been very honest in this podcast uh, about my parents. Um, I think maybe some of the things that Ellie was fighting for was the moments she could have had with Joel if he would have lived. Because you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes that guilt and trauma will just eat away at you, you know? Um, My mother and I didn't have the best relationship, but it was getting better when she got sick. And so I do think to this day, like, how would our relationship have changed? What would it have meant? But the two years of therapy that I have, uh, what I've learned from my therapist, and I had Bill on a few episodes ago, it's the idea that if you live in this permanent state of regret, then that is a terrible place to be. Uh, You really need to have some form of reconciliation in your life to draw a line and say, "That that, that was what it is or was. Now this is what my life can be or whatever, you know? Um... I still love my mother. I care about her deeply, but I could not tell you the future or some weird alternate history of what would have happened. So I have to say that, you know what, um, it was getting better and maybe that's good enough. Um, maybe that's what I needed is just to know that it's in a better place. Some people don't get that with their parents, you know. Um, many parents out there are not good parents and they're emotionally, uh, physically, and unfortunately sexually abusive to their kids. Some people want nothing to do with their parents whatsoever and will never get that moment of, well, you know, maybe it's getting better, you know? And to me, to be able to build a relationship like that with a a father figure, you know, Joel is not Ellie's, uh, is not her dad, but, um, you know, her parents died as well. It sounded like her parents died in the uh, outbreak. Anyway, um, I wish... Uh, and that's kind of where where the game ends. It cuts back to Ellie, and she kind of walks away. We don't really know where she's going. But for me, this comes back to the idea that I talked about before, that the upswing was was not there. And again, an incredibly biased place that I'm coming from. I want to see more out of characters. I want to see the upswing, right? For her to just go, you know, she doesn't kill Abby because I think she realizes, what have I been doing? And then hits the road to find... Dina, I just wish maybe there was another scene of her finding Dina saying, 
hey, I, I, I don't know what to say, uh, but I, you know, I, I want, I want to be with you, and I want to do whatever it takes to build a life. Maybe there could be a form of reconciliation where uh, Dina says, you know, it's going to be hard, but I, I'll, you know, I'll listen to you. Um, and I think that is the thing that I felt was missing from The Last of Us Part Two. you know, because again, I'm coming from a very biased place, but I want to see the moment of hope, the glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. And for Ellie, I still think she's in a very dark place, even of her not deciding to kill uh, uh, Joel. Now, I know what you're saying. Like, I thought the, the thing was between Joel and Kratos. Okay, so yeah, I just went into Ellie's thing. But it's because these things that Joel has set up and what Ellie has been through that you have, you know, you're reflective on who Joel is as a person. He's not a good person. But I wanted Ellie to have that moment of reflection to say, I don't need to do that. You know, I can be a different person because I would argue that their stories are intertwined. That you can't really have Joel in a vacuum alone without Ellie. I do think Joel is a very interesting, nuanced character. But he was living in this like perpetual state of sorrow because of the loss of his daughter, I think. You know, I heard a joke somewhere that like... Um, what was it? Oh, yeah, that like basically superheroes basically just need to go to therapy, uh, which I think is pretty funny. Um Joel isn't the type of person to talk about what's going on. But I think if he would have had a moment with Ellie or somebody to just say, you know, he he basically was, I mean, to be very frank, he was basically doing what I was doing after my parents passed away and um, our kids passed away. So I just kind of shut down emotionally. I was kind of in a, in a, like, a, you know, a fog brain state where I would just kind of walk around like a zombie. But Joel is kind of just perpetually living in that state. And again, I want to see the upswing. I want to see him say, come to Ellie and say, uh, you know, I, I, I fucked up. Because at the end of the first game, you know, Ellie knows that he has lied to her. And I believe Joel knows that she knows. I hate doing these know that she knows sentences. But I think he knows that she knows that this is what happened. And it, and it just, it's... It's, it's strange to me. So again, it just feels like, you know, Ellie, Ellie is taking, I think Ellie is taking the worst lessons from Joel and continuing on this part of revenge. You know, if there was more time or more reflection, we would see more of an upswing. Now, here's, here's an, the other asterisk that many of this whole episode. Um, not every story has to be happy-go-lucky, whatever. But I just want to see that glimmer of light, that pinprick of starlight that just comes out at the end and says, here's what it is. Here's the hope. And I don't, I didn't get that from the end of The Last of Us Part Two. I got what is happening, like what is happening. Now, uh, I want to stop this part of the conversation by saying Naughty Dog is probably a premier, one of the most premier developers in video games. Uh, the writing is incredibly uh, thought-provoking and amazing and every time you mention the last of us part two i want to have a discussion like this with somebody back and forth and back and forth in my 
views and things change on it all the time. And that is a testament to a great work of art. If I can sit here for 31 minutes and talk about how I think Joel is not a good person, then Ellie took the most toxic parts of her personality and it just became her being. You know, that's that's a tragedy. And I think that should be celebrated. But for me, I want to see just a slight glimmer of light. So you're thinking, Joe, you've gone on for 30 minutes about... Joel in the last one, I thought that was supposed to be about Kratos. Well, 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 my friend, or the two people that are listening or whatever. Here we go with the Kratos thing. Now, if you don't know about Kratos, I did a deep dive into him and it went in this crazy uh, direction. And um, I went on a lot of YouTubes. I watched um, the, a clip called Kratos Killing His Family uh, from the PS1. It was two minutes and 42 seconds. It was by Rabid Retrospect Games. Thank you so much for posting this clip online. Um, and it basically shows that under rage, um, Kratos was a soldier in the Spartan army. Uh, there's a lot of talk online about how he got his powers and I'll be honest, um, people disagreed with this. Basically he, he, um, got Ares attention through a bunch of battles that he did in Ares made him like a recruit, but then, uh, through a fit of rage. And again, this is where people kind of don't agree online. Um, Kratos just killed, uh, his family. He didn't do the thing where he went on a rampage and killed his family for no reason. They were part of a settlement of people that were in a temple that was um, for Athena, I believe. If I watch the clip, if I watch the right clip, it was for Athena, and he's obviously following Ares. So he went in and killed everybody in the temple because they were like a false god. In his rage, he, his family was there, and he killed his family. Um, again, there's a lot of talk online about um, if. Uh, you know, it was he was enraged during bloodlust or, you know, how he did it. Basically, he killed his family. It's a PS1 game, so it looks okay for back then. You know, um, it looked like it was up or something. I don't know. But you do get that feeling where at that moment he uh, chooses to have revenge and go after the people that, um, you know, basically made him kill his family and he decides to kill Ares and he becomes the god of war that's the whole that's the thing it's called god of war he becomes the god of war but really where I think the better part of his story picks up is god of war 2018 just for notes god of war 2018 won the game awards 2018 game so basically we're pitting two games at one game of the year awards from the game awards against each other so that's not easy and again if you had a seven hour podcast you could probably go over why uh these things uh were the way they were and um you know or you know <laughs> yeah it kind of made sense that these two things were together because spider-man was in the running in the ps i love you xoxo i love spider-man but come on man anyway i mean i love him but really anyway so kratos you know his uh basically again i'm spoiling both these games the 2018 God of War starts. I watched the first nine minutes that GameSpot posted um, a few years ago, and uh, it's nine minutes and 19 seconds, and it shows the beginning of the game. Basically, you have a boy named Atreus. You're in a snowy place uh, that we heard before the game came out. It was based in Norse mythology, so he's obviously in some like the Midgard or like some mid-whatever. And you see a golden handprint on a tree. Uh, um, Kratos touches the tree, cuts it down with this massive leviathan axe and then because he's a god he just picks a tree up like it's a piece of kindling brings it home 
and tells his son, I think that's the last one, Atreus and him go back to their home, and he's building a funeral pyre for his wife who has passed away. Uh, she's mortal. Um, I know out there online that uh, they have revealed the who his mother was, and that is one of the cutscenes I did not write down. Part of me doesn't want to know, though. I played the game and beat it, but I, I didn't remember that. I like her being kind of just an amazing woman who met Kratos and wanted to be with him. So after I record this, I will go and spoil it for myself who his uh, who his um, wife really is, you know? But he builds a funeral pyre for his wife, and basically, you know, one of her last wishes was to scatter her ashes on, uh, on like, the top of the tallest mountain. I'm probably, again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a lot of this. So him and Atreus take his uh, wife slash Atreus' mother's ashes, and they go on this journey to scatter her ashes. Um, I think with the giants or whatever. But again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing all this. Um, but Kratos has never told Atreus about his past, that he is part god or a god. Because he was a god, and he was cursed, and he did terrible things. Again, he killed his family in the PS1 game, and he's done... When I play the games, I played the the God of War 1. I completed it. I played part of God of War 2, but I had that collection on PS3 that had like four or five of the games, the ones on the PSP. And uh, I'll tell you guys, if you try to play four or five God of War games in a row, you get burned out pretty quick. So I think I got through one. I beat, I remember that. Two, I think I maybe completed... No, I completed uh, the two PSP games. It was like Ghosts of Olympus and Chains of Sparta. Uh, Maybe Chains of Olympus, Ghosts of Sparta. Anyway, I completed two of the PSP games. And, um, you know, uh, I got really burned out. Uh, I beat God of War. And that's where I ended until I got to 2018. I kind of got the gist of the story. They do a good job of setting up. Because Kratos in 2018 says, you know, I'm... a god from far away and uh he actually tells atreus because atreus gets wounded uh um kratos takes atreus to freya who's a healer um and says i need to heal my son and she says you have to tell your son the truth i too have a son that i haven't spoke to in a long time i didn't tell him the truth and it cost us our relationship i don't see him anymore kratos has literally uh not um talk to his son because uh, it's a curse of what has happened to him. And he's afraid that if he tells his son, this anger within him is like a disease. He even says this. There's a scene later on where um, I watch a scene where Loki killed um, a god for the first time. It's one of um, Odin's sons. There's uh, Mindy and Midi, I think, or Mo. That's something I should have written down. Anyway. Uh, after uh, Kratos has told his son Atreus, uh, you know, this is who you are, you're a god, uh, and uh, it is a curse. And, I, you know, I, it, you, you, you'll be marked for the end of your days. And um, his son, who, who Kratos always calls boy, is a kid. He's like 11. And he says, can I turn you an animal? And Kratos says, an animal. I don't know, you know. Uh, they have a, a severed head companion with them that is a Norse god um, who speaks to them and says, oh, a lot of gods have way different powers, you know. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's crazy. I wrote that down. I can't find the guy's name. Um, anyway, the the companion with him. 
Kratos finally levels with his son and says, You're a god. You will be marked for the rest of your days. You are cursed to be a god. You'll be hunted. Uh, and um, after Atreus accepts this, he starts getting a little power hungry, and he kills this other god. He stabs him in the neck, and he kind of taunts him because the god's already hurt. Um, you know, Kratos already beat the god up. That's kind of Kratos' thing. And uh, Kratos tells him, no, don't. This man's hurt. Don't kill him. And Atreus says, but we're gods. We can do whatever we want. And um, the god tells Atreus in his face, well, that's what I said to your mother. And, uh, you know, before I had her. And Atreus stabs him in the neck and kicks him over a ravine or a pit. And uh, Kratos gets very mad and said, why? And he and 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 his his son says it, it doesn't matter we can do what we want you know like what and and that's when Kratos says this is like a disease this anger will eat away at you and it, it'll you know it'll uh, it'll eat you alive um, and I just want to stop right here this is what I love uh, Kratos it is a much different place in his life with wisdom saying to his son this could happen to you. Use me an example. Don't take the worst parts of me and be a terrible person. Don't be a terrible God. You could be better, you know? I'm trying to teach you you could be better. Because the son does confront him and say, but, you know, you're teaching me to kill. And, he, and Kratos says, I'm teaching you to kill to, you know, to kill to defend yourself and to survive, but not to kill out of pettiness, you know? Believe me, I know what it can do. And it's the idea of, you know, you think of all the past games and all the heads he's ripped off of the gods and all the terrible things he does. This is a man who has finally come to terms and trying to do better at what he did. Now, there is some parallels. Again, if Kratos could have at least leveled with his son and said, you know what? I did a terrible thing. And here's what I did. You're a god. But there is going to be a price that's going to be paid. And I'm afraid people are going to come after us. So we need to prepare. But know this. I'm doing this because you're my child. I love you and I want to protect you. But you don't have to be the man that I am. But I think in a way, Kratos is trying to show that to his son. He's not trying to preach to him, you know. Um, so I, I think even though Atreus is still very young, Throughout the game, if I remember, there's not really a scene where... I don't think I could think of a scene where Atreus was being more benevolent or better. But I think through his father telling him, you could be a better person, he kind of just shows that through the rest of the game. Uh, there is a massive confrontation with uh, Balder, who's a god uh, in the end. Um, and he is... Balder is immortal. Freya is his mother, as said before, and she basically says that, uh, you know, I made a mistake because she didn't want her son to die. She basically um, dipped him or basically made him um, immortal to everything except hemlock. And Atreus has some hemlock arrows, and he uses one in Balder, so he basically mortally wounds him, and then the protection fades from Balder, and Kratos kills uh, Balder. But here's the deal. Balder was strangling his mother and going to kill her for what she did because Balder can't feel anything because of the the wards and things she put on him to protect him from dying when he was young. And he tries to strangle her because he's so upset with how his life has turned out. I mean, 
again, I'm being very quick with all this. And but I think it's because of the way his life is now. He's just so emotionally wrecked. He literally and physically can't feel anything. So what is the point of anything? Uh, he tries to choke her, but Kratos uh, gets him off uh, her, puts him in a full Nelson, and kills him. But something very important happens right before he kills Balder. He says the cycle must end. Because Balder, even when he was mortal, didn't stop in his anger. First, he went after Kratos when he was immortal and fought him in the beginning of the game and was going on this hell-bent mission to destroy him. Because what would be cooler than destroying a god? I can't feel anything. It doesn't matter. There's some great fight scenes with them, and I'm probably being really reductive. So you could write me an email and say that was terrible. You missed like these seven plot points. And I'll be honest, I was really just trying to build a case here, guys. And ladies and people. I was trying to build a case. I was trying to say, this is what I want. Kratos is my guy. But again, through his actions, Kratos tries to take the best part of himself that he has built and show that to his son. There is an upswing where at the end, when he scatters his wife's ashes, he says dark things could come because uh, lo and behold, his son's real name is Loki. And Loki could bring about Ragnarok, which... It's a really bad thing. There's a winter and then a firestorm. I guess depending on what myth you read, uh, it's an all-consuming fire. Um, But that's basically how they set it up. And it appears that obviously because Kratos has killed Baldur, that Freya, she says in the end cutscene, like I'm paraphrasing, but basically, I'll hunt you to the ends of the earth. You will never, ever be safe. This is your life now. I will come after you. So it's almost this double-sided thing of Ragnarok is coming and Freya, apparently. Um... But I think through his actions, uh, Kratos has, is being the better person, even in the middle of the game where he has to go get his, uh, he's using the Leviathan Axe that has ice powers. It's really cool in the game. Uh, but uh, since, like I said earlier, his son is sick, phrases, you have to go to hell and get me the heart of the person that guards the bridge to hell. Uh, there's a, a bridge keeper. I, I need his heart to save your son, but your axe will be useless because uh, no fire of this world can light a fire in uh, Helheim, in hell, and uh, your axe will be useless. Um, so Kratos goes back and gets uh, uh, the chaos blades, the, the, the chain blades that he has in the first games. This is an amazing scene where Athena comes back to him and says, you know, you'll always be a monster. You know, try to disguise it as being a husband or, um, you know, a lover or a friend or a father. Uh, Again, I'm paraphrasing, but she says, you'll always be a monster. And he says, well, I'll be my monster. The only reason he is grabbing the the chains and putting them back in his arms because he know he he has to do this to save his son. He's not going on a vendetta mission because his wife died. He's not because it seems like well, one his wife died. Uh, I think just from time. She he said she was mortal. So I think she just died of natural causes. But he is more self reflective in Joel and the fact that he can take a step back and say, um, you know. Uh, I am going to take what I know and do this for my son. I'm not going on a revenge mission to uh, avenge my dead wife. I'm not so angry that my kid died like Joel did, that I'm going to do anything it takes to keep my kid alive. He's, um, you know, they always say there's the five stages of grief. Uh, I don't know about how that works. And if you go from one stage to another, I just know that I, I do accept the fact that, like, you know, my parents have died and passed on and I'm sad. 
But uh, I don't, uh, I mean, I'm not angry anymore about it, I don't think. Um, but I think Kratos, he's exactly embodying this, the idea that he has accepted that his wife has passed on. And he's doing something that he didn't really want to do. I mean, he has to go find the chains and put them back in his arms. He has them hidden in his house. It is a massively, incredibly moving scene uh, that is shot really well. It's a single camera shot. The camera goes around him and behind him. You see Athena as a specter. She says, you know, good luck. I really believe it when he says, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be my monster. I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing it, you know, he's really doing it for his son. But he's like, I am going to take the things that I can do and do it to save my son. And when I'm done with that, you know, then I'm done. I'm no longer going to go on this crazy. Uh, and you do, I think it's more of a game mechanic. You do get to use the chains, the bl- the chaos uh, blades you get to use them again uh, throughout the game because they just look great especially in a brand new ps4 environment where you can see better particle effects you know the physics are better on them um, they just they don't just do one or two things you can do combos with them now um, but to me it's like he's like well i've done these things that are really bad and i'm going to take those bad things and i'm going to try to do something good with it and again this completely he is embracing his past in a way uh, but I think that he took the better lessons out of it and he is in a different place. I think basically what my argument boils down to is this. Imagine that this is all just one big long road uh, or a trail or something. And I just think that Ellie is not as far along the trail as Kratos, which I guess makes sense. Uh, he's a god. He's been in more games and he is... Uh, you know, more powerful, obviously, than a mortal like Joel or Ellie. I keep saying Ellie, but again, I think Joel and Ellie are kind of tied together. But even Joel, because that's what this is about. So, Your Honor, I'd like to make the case that I will keep saying Joel and you can uh, object to my... whatever. Anyway, um, I just think that Kratos is in a... He's farther down the path than Joel could be. Because I think at some points, Joel just kind of says well i guess i'm camping here i'm just going to start a fire and this is this is where i live you know this is i'm just going to stay on this trail i'm not going to walk any farther i'm just going to stay in this one spot and although kratos has been through some horrific things he says you know what i gotta keep going so for me it is more gratifying to even see kratos do bad things and treat it he treats his son horribly in the game he doesn't communicate with him because it reminds me of that joke of uh, Three's Company, which I told my wife this morning. And this kind of reminds me of that, where uh, it was on Friends. I can't believe I'm quoting Friends. But Chandler sits down to watch an episode of Three's Company with everybody. And he says, oh, I think this is the episode where they have some sort of disagreement. And uh, I think I felt a lot of that through both The Last of Us Part Two and God of War 2018. If they would just sit down and say, you know, you're going to be marked, which... Kratos actually does much earlier in the game. He says, this is not good at all. This is what's going to happen. People are going to start coming after you. You're marked. You need to be prepared. That's why I'm being so tough on you. You know, that's why uh, you need to be ready for this. And I think they're going to lead up to it in Ragnarok, which is the next game that's coming out in a little bit. But back to the trail analogy. So I just think it's more gratifying for me even to see Kratos do very horrible things, obviously in a different context because it's a different game, but be able to internalize and process some of the terrible things that have happened and impart the good things to his son without and imparting the mistakes because, like I said, his son does kill somebody and it's a big moment. Um, 
But I think he's trying to be the better person and try to give those lessons to his son. And I think Joel is just kind of existing in this depressed state. And because he doesn't have the tools or actually doesn't really want the tools, I think, to communicate, he gives those lessons to Ellie and they're the worst lessons. So, um, you know, I don't want to repeat myself or whatever, but in my opinion, it is Kratos's journey in God of War One is more gratifying, or got not God of War One in God of War twenty eighteen. Kratos's journey is more gratifying to watch than uh, Joel's uh, because he just gets to a better place. And again. To spoil everything, Joel does die in the beginning of Last of Us Part Two. But again, I think all that toxic, those toxic lessons that he, the things he did, he gives to Ellie and she just continues on because it's really all she's been taught. But again, I think she has moments where she can step back and say, is this what I really want? I have a family now. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to keep growing and moving. And, you know, maybe I should just be with Dina and raise JJ. Maybe I should do that. Maybe that's something I could do. But she can't do it. And I don't believe at the end that she's really in any better of a place than um, because of what Joel did to her, you know. And again, uh, same with God of War 2018. If you mention, there's few games in my life where you mentioned I want to go on about 53-minute rant on both of them. Uh, Last of Us Part Two is one of them and uh, God of War 2018. It's one of those things where I played God of War 2018 and I thought, this is really good. You know, there's a scene where Kratos shows uh, he goes to a vault or something and finds wine from Sparta because these are gods and they collect things from other places. Uh, and he says, you should drink this, you know, and his son does. He doesn't like it because he's like 11 or 12 and drinking wine. But Kratos, um, you know, he has this moment where he's like, I want to share this with you. And it's a very tender moment, even if it's wine. Um, to me, those are the best lessons. You know, I don't feel the same with there is some parallels again with Joel teaching Ellie guitar uh, in The Last of Us Part Two. But I think God of War, in my opinion, Kratos is uh, the more compelling character because of the journey. I don't want to say likable because, I mean, you could like Joel. Again, this is all opinion. So you don't have to support my decision. Um, so again, uh, I would like to I would like to nominate Kratos for my favorite uh, PlayStation character uh, because of what he went through and the fact that he is farther along and a more healthy journey than Joel is. And again, uh, you could argue that well, you know, not all fiction has to be uh, bright and rosy. But for me, again, I want to see the uptick. I want to see the hope. And I think Kratos gives that to me. No matter what's going to happen in Ragnarok, I want to be there for them to see how the journey concludes. And I think that they're going to be in a better place. Um, Obviously, because Joel's dead, he's not going to be in another game. But maybe if there is a Last of Us Part 3, I don't know. If Naughty Dog has plans, maybe Ellie will start to put things together. And that will be gratifying to see. And maybe there will be a lesson from Joel. But I want to say that I enjoyed... Kratos more, I'm enjoying his journey more, and I want to see what's next. I I don't really, not that I don't care, but uh, Ellie's slash Joel's journey is a little bit of a downer for me, or I don't know about a downer is the right word. It's It doesn't excite me the same way that Kratos' journey excites me. How about I say that? I'll say that. So 
Yeah, this is incredibly long-winded. I did a lot of research. Uh, Kratos, you're the you're the greatest. Uh, all the, by the way, uh, Christopher Judge, who does uh, the voice of Kratos, what what an amazing actor! Because they had him in a mocap suit. Uh, he did so well, uh, and the people at Sony Santa Monica that did the animations for his face. Uh, you know, everybody says, oh, and, and I said it before in this podcast, uh, Naughty Dog is a premier developer, but I definitely want to give kudos to um, Sony Santa Monica because some of the ways that Kratos looks off in his face of reflection, there's a scene early in the game where they're, they've collected the wood, they put the mother on the funeral pyre, and they are burning everything to get the ashes to take. Um, Atreus is there kind of kicking dirt because obviously he doesn't know how to you know, how does he feel about all this? And, you know, his dad's not going to tell him again. Kratos doesn't treat him that well. And Kratos says, go get your bow or hunting. I think it, I didn't have subtitles and I think that's what he says, but he comes, he goes, uh, in the house and goes and gets his bow and comes out. And there's a moment where the camera pan, pans over and just focuses on Kratos and his eyes and how the firelight of the funeral pyre, uh, reflects in his eyes and him, um, him just, having a moment to reflect on what this woman meant to him, uh, you know, what it was. And to me, that showed so much more reflection than Joel hiding his feelings in the game and not talking to Ellie about how he felt. Now, again, Kratos doesn't share this with uh, his son until much later, but it was very powerful to hear him do that. And I am very excited again to play the next God of War and see where it goes. And so I give to you, the good people of the internet and the three people that are listening and such, um, my um, pick for the best PlayStation character, uh, Kratos from God of War 2018. A great redemption story, or at least a road to recovery story. So... Yeah, and I think uh, Joel is still interesting. Again, if I can talk about this for this long, then uh, you know that means they did their job telling a story. But Kratos, you're my guy. Anyway, I think that's it this week, guys. Uh, it's kind of a long episode, but I hope you guys enjoy it. But I just want to remind everybody that this podcast will have my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com. Monday morning at 7 a.m., go there, leave me a comment, let me know what you think of the show. Or you can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com, drop me an email, let me know what I did that was good or bad or what I can do to change, or maybe you have a suggestion, some other topic that's coming up, I don't know. And I would really like it if you would go to the iTunes uh, store, uh, the podcast app, whatever, subscribe to the podcast there, or go to the Google Play store and subscribe to the podcast there. I don't think every episode is going to be this long, and obviously I'm doing some reviews coming up and some news coming up, but um, yeah, just let me know what you think, think of the show. Give me the likes, the stars, you know, all that kind of stuff there. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at JustLittleJoe. Um, I think that's it this week, guys. Uh, everybody be safe out there. Uh, you know, I hope everybody had a good holiday. Uh, I hope everybody's going to enjoy the Christmas holiday and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.